Welcome to the Success Podcast with Michelle Rickman and Jose Angel Manaisa Jr. Our special evening will be fully devoted to Black History Month, celebrating men and women who have that who overcame the impossible and we get to celebrate the legacy today and um, i'm so glad that i'm here also with a legend herself michelle Ritman. and um, michelle uh, it's interesting to know about looking at the black history month history itself it has been in existence now since um in the in the 90s and the 90s all over okay. now and uh, it's great because it first started by you know having the month of february uh by having the celebration of uh you know it's kind of like it was interesting how everything it was laid out you know and uh and i think it started about Abraham Lincoln and what Abraham Lincoln did, you know, and because the his birthday is on February 12th, right, which happens to be on the President's Day, right, and okay. then from there they say, okay, how about we have an entire month fully devoted to Black History Month? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> well, who would have thought? Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that uh, we have a month that we can, you know, reflect on uh, great people in African-American history. Yes. Like my great uncle. Yes. Dr. William Leo Hansberry. Hmm. Now, a little bit about Dr. William Leo Hansberry. He was born in 1894 and he died in 1965. Um, they refer to, he's been referred to as the father of African studies. Wow. And he was a historian and anthropologist. Now, how he's related to me Hmm. is because, uh, Dr. William Leo Hansberry was the brother of Carl Augustus Hansberry. Mm. Now, Carl Augustus Hansberry was my grandfather's father. Powerful. And he was also Mamie Hansberry's father. And you know my Aunt Mamie Hansberry because you interviewed her on the dinghy. Yeah. Out in Marina. We had such a wonderful time. She still talks about that. <laughs> yes. She's waiting for another invitation. That was so (laughs) special. I can't wait. I am. uh, Let's do it. (laughs) All right. So I'll let her know you're in. So more about uh, Dr. William Leo Hansberry, my great uncle. Um, He attended uh, Atlanta University. And then he transferred to Harvard in 1917. Okay. And he was convinced as an undergraduate that sophisticated civilizations had existed in Africa, especially in Ethiopia. Hmm. For centuries, 
for centuries prior to the rise of Greek and Roman, Greek and Romans in Europe. He pursued that premise for the rest of his life. And that was a quote out of one of the books that I recently uh, purchased. And he's got some books out now. That, uh, and one is called uh, William Leo Hansberry African uh, History Notebook, Volume 2. I don't know if you can see wow, that. I see it, yes. This and is then powerful. here's another one called Pillars in Ethiopian History. Wow. And lastly, a biography of, oh, I'm sorry, this one is not even related to him. I picked up the wrong book, so we'll just stick with those two. Um, but he was, uh, uh, his curiosity was sparked because of his his stepdad's library. Um, his stepdad had a very vast library of African literature, and he was not familiar with that particular kind of literature because his education was based on European knowledge. So a lot of the grandeur, a lot of the uh, the um, the Egyptian history he didn't know about until he read his father's books and that sparked his curiosity and for the rest of his life he was on a quest to um, unveil the, the sophisticated civilizations that existed in Africa. So I found that very. to be very impressive. That's very compelling. So no, um, you know, it's interesting too, huh? The Mr. Hansberry. So he was born in eighteen ninety four. So that was kind of like towards maybe one generation after the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, and um, what part of the United States? Was he born? He was born, let's see. I believe he was born, just a minute, I have that. Okay, let me make a note. I've got that written down. Forgive me for not being able to give you that information right off the bat. Okay, I believe he was born in Louisiana, but I'm going to find out. And when I do know exactly, I'll let you know. Very powerful. You know what, that, that yes. was, that. you know, it's interesting because that was the era of the most influential blacks because, you know, the, the blacks that were born around the late of 1800, extremely successful. I've been reading, I've been, you know, I read about, especially 
uh, in the area of Washington, D.C., to yes. the south, extremely successful and uh, pretty impressive, too. The, Mr. Hansberry, he also went to Harvard University. Yes, and he did. That's, yes, uh, he did. And, uh, and I wonder if he w attended maybe during, he must be contemporary to uh, W.E.B. Du Bois. Yes, uh, I do believe they had a relationship. Wow. Or as a matter of fact, he was inspired by W.E.B. Du Bois. That is powerful. Yes. Wow. And they must be like almost around the same age too, huh? Or you think W.E.B. Right. Du Bois was, was, was... That is really inspiring. Yes, so um, after World War II, yeah. um, he was uh, promoted to associate professor with tenure at Howard University. Uh, Howard University, yes. Yes. And uh, during the 1950s, he lectured and traveled throughout Africa. He was also the first mentor of the first president of post-colonial Nigeria. Can you believe that? Wow. Yes. No, that is powerful right there. So also, um, yeah, so he received both his uh, BA and his master's degree from Harvard. He would have gone on to get his PhD um, however, there was no one who was more informed about um, African history than him. Yeah. So he was only so he only went as far as getting his master's degree because no one was knowledgeable about the information that he knew. And so his research could not be validated. That's amazing. Isn't that he, something? Yeah. So he himself, he was a pioneer. He was a Absolutely. pioneer. Absolutely. Yes. They call him the father of African studies. The father of African studies. Wow. Yes. So I, I feel very proud to know that um, he, that I am in that lineage. Yeah. And... Um, most recently, my 16-year-old son, Nigel, was on the internet, and he said, Mom, you know, I thought that Egyptians were white. And I explained to him, I said, unfortunately, you're going to have to do your own research to find out the truth. Yeah. And I can shed some light on that truth by giving you these books by your great, great uncle, Professor Leo Hansberry, who was an archaeologist and who studied in Africa with some of the intellectuals of that era. Uh, so when you want to know um, Black history or African history or ancient Egyptian history, you have a family member that can inform you of all of those things through his books. You can't trust what you see on the internet all the time. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, you can't trust what you see in textbooks because a lot of uh, what's in textbook is just, um, unfortunately, they're lies. Yeah. Lies about black history, lies about black culture, lies about our ancient history. And so we have to dig really deep. And a lot of the truth that we get is going to have to come from people like ourselves. Absolutely. Black scholars and black uh, black uh, historians. Yes. So um, who would you like to share during this Black History Month? You know what? In alignment with what you just shared, you know, with Mr. Leo Hansberry, I like to start by, uh, you know, which actually they both have a lot in common because Benjamin Banneker, right? Benjamin Banneker, he actually lived, I mean, not he not only lived in Washington, D.C., he was the one that built Washington, D.C. And obviously, Leo Hansberry, when he was a faculty at Howard University, he lived a, a, you know, a great period of time in the, the capital. Um, so let me start by talking about Benjamin Banneker. <laughs> okay, so Benjamin Banneker, he was a, you can say he was a Renaissance man because he was a mathematician. I mean, that's how I, I, I got my inspiration from to become a mathematician. It was because of Benjamin Banneker. So I was, I still remember when I was, 14 years old and teacher Brown gave me this book. It's a children's book about the history of the White House. And I was so fascinated by that story, specifically about uh, Benjamin Banneker and how he masterminded, like he designed Washington, D.C. and the White House with the power of mathematics. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. And uh, what's interesting about also Benjamin Banneker, about his contributions in addition to that, is that, you know what, there's a concept called, if you look at the modern clock that we use. Okay. Yeah, he was the one that, that invented it. Really? Yes. Oh my God, he he was something. He was something. Now, if you look at the design of Washington D.C., right? It's pure uh -huh. geometry. It's very mathematical. And he was the one. He was the one. <laughs> so, does he get credit for that? To a for certain extent, for inventing the clock. You know what? You know what he does. Definitely, definitely. Unfortunately. You don't hear that much about Benjamin Banneker, especially from the mainstream media. You don't hear that much. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I just happens to be blessed, you know, that that teacher, she was so immersed in black history and she gave me that book and I was so inspired at a very young age, right? But most, uh -huh. most black kids of my age at the time, they had no idea about him. Like, no, like, no idea. Well, I mean, I, I just happens to be very blessed. More and more 
um, African-American children are being denied the truth about their history and their contributions to society. Because more and more the powers that be uh, do, do not want empowerment yes for our people and to know that you come from intelligent people people who were scientists doctors mathematicians like benjamin banneker they don't want you to know that Mm -hmm. because these are self these are self-esteem builders they make you empowered and when you're empowered you you expect what you deserve yeah. and nothing less. So tell us more about Benjamin Banneker. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, something about Benjamin Banneker too, that he himself also was a, he was a civil rights, a civil rights leader. In fact, I like to say he was the very first and uh, the very first black man who stand for equal rights because he wrote a letter to Thomas Jefferson. So let, let me, so this is so interesting, right? So Thomas Jefferson was the third president of the United States, right? And Thomas Jefferson commissioned a Frenchman. His name is Ellicott, right? He commissioned him. He was an architecture, commissioned him to design the new nation's capital. Right, because at that time, the 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 capital was in Philadelphia, right? Okay. And uh, Thomas Jefferson, he wanted to pay also tribute to Washington, George Washington, because he was such a good president. I mean, George Washington, Michelle, based on these writings, he was such a good president that the American people wanted him to be the king, right? So, okay. so even after he served, you know, and, and, but he was such an honorable man that he said, you know what? I already gave my word that I will serve only two terms, which is eight years as we have stated in the constitution. Right. Right. So don't call me king or anything. You know, I'm a president. <laughs> I'm going to serve the- So when Thomas Jefferson came along, right. First of all, they wanted to have a new capital. Right, a new capital, and uh, you know Washington D.C. obviously was an abandoned area right there. So he commissioned these Frenchmen, and these Frenchmen happens to have Benjamin Banneker, right, as kind of uh-huh. like his assistant, right. Okay. So when these these Frenchmen, he lost all the planning, all the designs and everything. He lost it. He lost it all, right. So they said, oh, my God, how are we going to restore all that? You know, because otherwise there's not going to be national capital. There's going to be nothing. And Benjamin Banneke has such a memory that he was able to recreate the whole thing just from his mind. Oh, my goodness. Is it, is it not beautiful? <laughs> yeah, don't we wish we could all do that? You've got that kind of memory, Jose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's a photographic, photographic memory. memory. That's what they call it. That, yeah. They call it photographic memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it got to a point, right, that 
after you know what he accomplished that project and everything, he earned a lot of respect from Thomas Jefferson, right? And right. he was the very first one because at that time, uh, most blacks they couldn't even read and write, right? Right. But he was the first one who actually formally wrote a letter to to Thomas Jefferson, to the president, like the number one leader of the nation. And uh, in that letter, he was demanding like equality. You know, the you know, the, there's no such thing as uh, inferior or superior race. You know, that we are all human beings. And uh, he, you know, he was just um, persuading. Thomas Jefferson in believing that everybody should be equal and should be treated equal. Yes. I'm going to send you that letter. It's a powerful letter. Well, I can't wait to receive it. And it's, it's relevant that, uh, that, that equality be for everyone. Yeah. And, um, The fact that, you know, he was able to write it out and he wrote it to the president yeah. um, as a plea to um, for equality. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So my next or are you is there anything else that also, you would like to share? I want to also, you know, if you look at also that I don't know if you heard about mortgage, you know, like reverse mortgage. You know, the idea. Yes. So guess who came up with that? Who? <laughs> Benjamin Banneker. Well, I didn't know the reverse mortgage was that old. Yes. How long has the reverse mortgage been around? Do you know? You know what? It's been around, obviously, since the, uh, you know, the founding of this country. You know, like uh, around the time when Benjamin Banneker was alive. He was the one that came with it. I know it was formalized. You know, and kind of like be more popular in the most recent years. You know, we're talking about between maybe the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, but uh -huh. it has been in existence since, you know, since the beginning of the, you know, the American Revolution. Wow. So can you explain exactly what the reverse mortgage is? Or do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to, I'm happy to share. So just the same. So if you look at the typical mortgage, Right? The typical mortgage typically is a 30-year mortgage, right? It's a 30-year right. mortgage, and homeowners that would like to have a, a leverage, because perhaps based on their income alone, they will not be able to buy a home, right? All up front. Right. Right. So they right. come and they say, okay, I'm going to apply for a loan, right? That will allow me to still, you know, just with the income that I have right now, will allow me to make some monthly payments, right? Okay. And those multi payments is an amortized loan, like means they are equal payments throughout the life of that mortgage or that loan, right? For 30 uh -huh. years. If I'm able to make these payments for 30 years in a row, right? At the end of the 30 right. years, I'm going to be able to pay it off, right? Right. So now, what's the next stage, right? So once you imagine you pay off your mortgage, right? Everything is paid off, everything. 
let's say now when you are getting into the golden age, right? Let's say you are beyond 65 years old, right? Okay. So you don't longer have a full-time income like you used to when you were in your youth. Oh, okay. Right? So right. the idea is that when you are in that position, which is a very financially vulnerable position, I will say, right? Uh, then you want to actually have a reverse mortgage, which is the opposite, right? So what it is is that now you are the one getting paid. Right. Right. It's kind of like the other way. First, you were paying the the bank, right? For right. 30 years. And now right? the bank is paying you. Yes. There you go. Okay. Now you got it. Okay, so a reverse mortgage sounds like a good deal. I've heard horror stories about reverse mortgages, though, but when this show is not about reverse mortgages. It's about <laughs> important people during Black History Month or important Black people. But thank you for sharing that about the reverse mortgage. Yeah, so that's what, you know, that came from Benjamin Banneker. Wow. So yeah. he created the reverse mortgage and the clock. Yes. Anything else? Uh, anything else about Benjamin Banneker? Um, I like to say, you know what, that, which is very, this is a, a unique, but also universal quality. The, the most successful black people have is the power of reading. I mean, he was a an a, a avid reader, you know. Yes. Uh, so if you read the history of the biography of Benjamin Banneker, it talks about that he sometimes he will make sure that he didn't go to bed until he actually finished reading a book. <laughs> well, that's a good piece of advice. Yeah. So I did find out that. Uh, on another subject, that uh, Professor William Leo Hansberry was born in Mississippi. Oh, okay, Mississippi. So now we can take that off the table. Yeah. So what other um, black person or famous black person would you like to talk about? Yes. I like to definitely, I like to talk about Madam C. Walker. <laughs> Madam C.J. Walker? C.J. Walker, yes. Oh, yes, yes. She was the first um, African-American millionaire. Yeah. And also, he, he, research also showed that she also was the first woman millionaire. First woman in general. Yes. So, it's so this is really compelling, Okay. Because okay. if you look, if you look right, a man and CJ Walker, right? If you look at the the social context of that time, um, well, first of all, women were not even allowed to vote, right? Um, I mean, there are so many, so many like social everything against being a woman, right? And also for being black too at the same time right oh and, boy yes and uh, what she did is that she said you know what even with everything going here around 
I'm going to create a business that is going to empower black women. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be loyal to my race, right? And, right. And, and, and I know if I do my best job, you know, I'm going to be not only a millionaire, but I'm going to help other black women to be millionaires. Wow. Oh, my God. That is powerful. Yes, that is so powerful because she wasn't greedy yes. with her wealth. She wanted to show other women how to become wealthy, too, and that's big. Yeah. That's big. She was, And probably that's how she made it uh, to millionaire status because she was willing to share her knowledge and um, assist other women in becoming uh, success, uh, monetarily independent. Yes. So that's wonderful. Now, it's your turn, Michelle. Who else would you like to share about? <laughs> well, I would like to share about Diane Carroll. Awesome. Um, Diane um, I'm a big fan of Diane Carroll. She was an actress, singer, entertainer. She was born July 17, 1935, and made her transition October 2019. She was born in the Bronx, New York. Mm. And uh, at a very young age... She uh, got a taste of success, and uh, it became uh, her calling to be an entertainer. Mm. She's uh, starred in the movie Carmen Jones, mm. the famous play uh, Porgy and Bess, No Strings, and she also did a few movies, uh, one being Claudine, she also uh, was the first uh, African-American woman to have a TV show, mm. uh, and it was called Julia. And her character uh, played a nurse, a single mom who played a nurse, and that was the first uh, TV show that depicted women uh, working uh, other than in the service industry. Well, mm. other than being uh, maids or caregivers for someone else's children. And so she really um, was a an inspiration to a lot of uh, African-American women not just African-American women, but African-American people, because the role that she played was of a, um, a white-collar employee instead of a blue-collar employee. So she also starred in the Broadway hit Sunset Boulevard, and she was the first African-American woman to play uh, the role of Norma Desmond. 
in the play Sunset Boulevard. Boulevard. Uh, no other, no other black woman had played Norma Desmond to this date. Wow. So that was amazing. That is powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. Yeah. That, that in itself, oh my God, I would like more kids to read about her. I mean, you know, most people don't know about that. I just learned about, wow. Well, are you familiar with the dynasty? Yeah. Um, The dynasty was a very popular movie in the 80s, I believe. Well, she she starred as Dominique Devereaux, the wealthy black bitch in the TV show, called the dynasty dynasty. and um, she was the first black person on the dynasty to have a significant role. Yeah. Yes. And the dynasty was created by Aaron Spelling, I believe. So, um, Diane Carroll is uh, important to me because um, of the accomplishments that she made during her career, you know, to be um, on the silver screen, to be on Broadway. You'll be on Broadway, yeah. You know, and she was also a successful singer. She accomplished a lot um, during her era, and it really wasn't easy for black women to be um, on television and beautiful. Yeah. She wasn't your um, Aunt Jemima, not by any means. She was gorgeous. And for a lot of uh, African-American women around that time in the thirties, Hollywood was not interested in casting beautiful women if they weren't playing prostitutes yes. or maids. And then, of course, if you were playing a maid, you certainly couldn't be a beautiful one. Mm. But she went on to star in quite a few movies and films where she was the lead and she was beautiful. Wow. So, yeah. That is beautiful. So she's kind of like a pioneer, too. She was a pioneer. Absolutely, yes. She kind of like created this pathway for future black entertainers, you know, women, black women, you know, to, you know, to play these prominent roles, right? Absolutely. And you better believe she faced a lot of discrimination, but that didn't stop her. She went on to become very financially successful. She had beautiful homes in California and um, she, uh, she purchased herself a Rolls Royce. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, you know, as an actress, as you get older, um, the roles get lesser 
or get fewer and fewer. And uh, so with fewer roles, she was making less money and her Rolls Royce started falling apart. And um, one day her agent got a call that said she'd been uh, stuck on the side of the road because her Rolls Royce wasn't working and that she should probably downsize cars. So that's when she decided that she was going to audition for the role of Norma Desmond in the play Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard. And yes, and if you haven't seen Sunset Boulevard, it's about a, a, a woman who was a successful actress who made it as far as she can go in the entertainment business. And then she started getting old and stop getting the phone calls to do the leads and movies and plays, etc. And um, it was, uh, that role spoke to Diane Carroll because she found herself at that crossroads in her life where she had gotten older. I think she was about 40, 50. And the phone didn't ring nearly as much for work. And so she resonated with that uh, character, Norma Desmond. And the funny thing was that Norma Desmond had a Rolls Royce too. Her Mm. character had a Rolls Royce. So Diane Carroll felt very much like uh, she had lived her life almost identical to Norma Desmond. And she uh, ended up getting that role and was superb in it. Wow. Yes. Truly amazing. Yes. And so there you have it. Uh, My contribution to Black History Month and contributing to our podcast by sharing about two very terrific uh, role models for me. My great, great uncle, Dr. William Leo Hansberry and uh, the famous Diane Carroll. It mm. is a twenty. Yes, thank you, uh, Michelle, for you know being kind of like the you know the creator, you know the creator of this series uh, in honor of Black History Month, and uh, to uh, start this fascinating conversation with the legacy of of William Leo Hansberry, you know, and uh, thank you so much. This is being amazing. And, and thank uh, you for sharing yeah. about Benjamin Banneker <laughs> and Madam C.J. Walker. <laughs> Terrific. All right. So definitely, ladies and gentlemen, and all our listeners, Thank you for listening to the Success Podcast with Michelle Rickman and Jose Angel Manaisa Jr. All right. <laughs>